0: You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Home Field Apparel. Welcome Hoosier fans to another victorious episode of The Assembly Call as today your Indiana Hoosiers dominate the Maryland Terrapins in College Park 68 to 55 to move to 7 and 4 in Big 10 play and 16 and 5 overall and in a season where we're ending stupid losing streaks like the losing streak to Purdue we ended another one, having lost, I believe, four straight games at the Xfinity Center since Maryland joined the Big Ten, uh, despite coming close a couple of times. Uh, and so it's nice to to end that streak today uh, in a game where, you know, Maryland jumps out to the 8-0 lead. They made a couple of three-pointers. And in hindsight, that really looked like fool's gold because they spent the rest of the day settling for three-pointers. And Indiana spent the rest of the day playing really good defense, going inside early and often and over and over again. And Maryland just didn't Seemed like they wanted much of the fight, and Indiana really kept the pedal to the metal uh, for most of the day, and they earn a decisive. Uh, road victory uh, that really, you know, keeps them, you know, basically, uh, you know, within reaching distance of the top teams uh, in the Big Ten. And so a really important victory for Indiana. Uh, We are going to talk about it here on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Jeff Marlowe. And let's start this show the way that we start every show. And that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And for today's Banner Moment, I'm going to go to the end of the first half, you know, because one of the things that we've seen from Indiana, especially in road games, when they've, you know, played. Well, you can certainly think back to the Wisconsin game where they play a really good first half and then it kind of starts to unravel at the very end of the first half until it really unravels in the second half. Well, today, Indiana did a great job of ending the first half with some momentum. So they're up 31-26 to after Xavier Johnson makes a couple of free throws. There's about 45, 50 seconds left. And we play perhaps our best defensive possession of the day, forcing a shot clock violation. Parker Stewart and Trace Jackson Davis executed a great trap on the wing. Uh, The ball eventually got swung around. Dante Scott tried to back Xavier Johnson down in the post. Xavier Johnson did a great job of bodying up, not letting him get down. And ultimately, they didn't even get a shot off uh, before the the shot clock went off. And then on the last possession of the half, you know, they clearly were going to wait and you know attack with about seven eight seconds left. Xavier Johnson was patient. He took a screen from Trace Jackson Davis, drove in, actually had the ball poked away, but kept it. And instead of just flinging up a shot, you know, understood that he still had three or four seconds to go. Uh, was able to recover, threw it to Trace Jackson Davis for a dunk it was a 100 run to end the half put indiana up 7 at halftime and really just you know again you kind of went into to the halftime locker room feeling good with some momentum, and despite a little bit of up and down play there, the first couple of minutes of the second half, Indiana was able to you know continue their strong play there into the second half. You know, built at one point I think an 18 point lead, uh, and really just you know all in all today uh, a really solid 40 minutes of basketball overall for the Hoosiers, getting a win they really really needed on the road. Really great job uh, today by Indiana, and I thought that play at the end of the first half was really indicative of what Indiana was doing when they were playing well today, which was excellent team defense, being patient offensively, and getting the ball inside to the big guys. The only thing it was missing was Race Thompson, a guy that we'll talk about a lot because he had one of the best games of his career today as well. All right. Well, our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, now in their fifth season of sponsoring the Assembly Call, and their first as the presenting sponsor for the Back Home Network. And as you surely know by now, Homefield has the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you are going to find anywhere, with beloved logos like two different versions of the Bison and so many other vintage logos that you just can't find on other sites. And if you support other college teams or have other people in your life who do, Homefield probably has something for them too. I think just this week they released Gonzaga. Last week they released Cincinnati. They're always releasing new schools, kind of doing their thing, going back, pulling out these old logos and brand marks that haven't been used, pulling back into a modern context, uh, and just giving college fans what they want. And no matter what you buy, you know it's going to be comfortable and that the colors are going to last through many washings. Plus, you're supporting an Indiana based company that came up through Kelly. And there's nothing better than that. So go to homefieldapparel.com. Use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, to get 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off. Again, the website, homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. Okay, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And, Andy, we will start with you, your bottoms line on this Indiana Road victory.
1: Well, a couple couple thoughts for me. One was seeing the team really come out, get down at 8-0 nothing, but it, a huge response. Uh without taking a timeout, without going to the bench, uh ripped off a 13-0 run that that really got IU back in it and then the the first half was really back and forth uh until that that sequence at the end of the first half where IU you know, scored the final 10 of the half and and kind of took control and and never really let Maryland get back in it in the second half, which I thought was good. Never Totally put it away. We were talking about this before we came on. That I I don't know. I, I look forward to a point. Uh, hopefully, when I you know a, a fifteen point lead in the you know with eight minutes to play is something that I you know, can feel confident about. But I can honestly say I'm, I'm probably not there quite yet. Uh, and the other thing <laughs> from a from an individual standpoint, you know, Zach Osterman tweeted this out at some point. He said teams need anchor guys that find a level of baseline consistency they can count on every night to put runs together within a season. And he said, I you had one. One plus early this season, TJD plus justifiable belief race Thompson would get there now arguably has three with Thompson and Xavier Johnson elevating. And I, you know, that trio has really set themselves apart uh, from other guys on the, you know, from the rest of the roster, TJD and race combined for 35 points and 21 rebounds uh, X nine assists. Just two turnovers, uh, eight points. Didn't shoot the ball um, as well as he he normally or he as he has been from the floor, uh, but really controlled the game from the point guard spot. And then you sprinkle in some contributions uh, from bench guys like like Trey and and Jordan, uh, who I thought played well. Miller copied a couple big threes to start the second half, Uh, and so just to you know those three guys are really the foundation that is going to help this team get there. And they've just become more and more and more consistent uh, over the course of time. And those three guys were really, uh, you know, the dominant factors in the game, even though a number of other guys stepped in and made key contributions, everything kind of started with those, uh, with those three playing well. And uh, you know, any road win is good from a, a tournament uh, resume perspective, but you know, solid, uh, solid game. And, and like you said, I just thought Maryland just kind of said, screw it at a certain point and and you, know, I, you never really let them get, totally back in it but uh so you know any any road win is a good one and and hopefully this is something this team can build upon by um feeling the success on the road and then figuring out how to replicate it as we go forward
0: absolutely all right coach's corner coach Marlowe, your thoughts on indiana's victory
2: well first of all i want to piggyback kind of off of what andy said x and and something i saw you tweet out as well jared this is a kid that you know we talked about after the notre dame game he struggled in that game and the fans you know I thought we're well too harsh on him after that game but this is a kid that's playing at at least you know uh, he's got to be in the conversation for an all big 10 level you know, selection at this point. And he when he had, I think, six or seven assists today in the first half with no turnovers. And so I really felt that was huge. Uh, the couple of things I really kind of thought about, kind of show my history in me. My history major is uh, I can remember at first I was calling for a timeout. I, I'm one of those coaches that is like 8-0. I'm thinking I'm going to get a timeout and stop this run. But. I give Coach Woodson credit, he did. And it made me think about another time we played Maryland and they jumped out to an eight to nothing lead. And we came roaring back to win 99 to 64 in the 1981 incidentally tournament. Now, this wasn't a tournament game, but I figured it up real quick. From the time it was 8 0, it's 68 to 47. We dominated the last about 36, 37 minutes of the game, and especially it was on the defensive end. And to me, that's where a Trey Galloway, the extreme athleticism of Trey Galloway came into play, was on the defensive end because he really did, for the most part, others guarded him too, but I really thought he did an excellent job of locking up on Ayala.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I thought Trey's energy was was really good, you know, and in a game where, you know, some of the other guards struggled, you know, especially to score, he was able to come in and give Indiana a little bit of scoring punch uh, that they really needed. But uh, let's talk about a guy that we haven't really mentioned too much yet, but was just rock solid all day long. And that was Race Thompson. Uh, You know, Andy, I I thought this was one of the better games that, that Race has had in his career. He had a double double 18 points, 12 rebounds. Two for two from three point range again, um, you know, and 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 one of the the lessons I think to take from this game, or maybe one of the kind of enduring lessons here from the second part of January, you know, because you know you look at what Indiana's done now. I mean, they go on the road, they beat Nebraska, you know, they win the game against Purdue. Yes, they have the hiccup against Michigan, but they bounce back and have one of their best halves of basketball against Penn State, and then you know today was one of their best forty minute performances. And I think part of what we've seen is despite fans, you know, us included calling for changes and saying this, that, or the other isn't working. You know, Mike Woodson's philosophy as a coach is to just be calm, be patient, not overreact and to trust his guys. And so when race Thompson is, you know, three for 30 or whatever he is from three point range, you know, Mike Woodson believes in race Thompson as a shooter. So he continues to have a green light and race is making more shots. You know, Xavier Johnson, up and down, all over the place through the first couple months of the season. You know, some of us could see the benefits that he was providing. You know, Mike Woodson, you know, sits him on the bench when he needs to in a few games, but believes in him as his point guard. X has continued to improve and play better. And so, you know, you're kind of seeing this where, you know, Woody is trusting these guys and they're coming around and continuing to play. And I thought, you know, Race Thompson, especially, you know, you're always going to get you know, a great effort from him defensively. You're always going to get good hard work on the boards and you're going to get good interior scoring. But what he's doing more now is he's making that three point shot. He's hitting some of those elbow jumpers and he's been better from the free throw line. He was only two for four today, but his free throw shooting has been better. Um, And so, you know, that faith that coach Woodson has had in his players, I think you're really seeing it in a guy like race whose game is now expanding. And if he is a guy where, you know, upcoming coaches are watching this film and they're just seeing him make three-pointer after three-pointer, you're going to have to respect it. And then that's going to give Trace more space and starts to make a lot of lineups make sense and be more potent offensively. So he was terrific today on the road. And that's what you need is your veterans to do it. And he, X, and Trace brought the goods today.
1: Yeah, I thought Race, um, we talked a little about how he played in the first half. The second half was outstanding. I mean, he had, I think he played the first 12, first 11-12 minutes, and he had 11 points and 8 rebounds in in the first half of the first half. I think he did come back in a little bit there toward the end when it got not, not close necessarily, but you know the two teams had really been just kind of feeling each other out, trading missed shots and turnovers a lot in the beginning of the second half, and so the lead was still right where it was, but there was a stretch where iu scored eight straight and race had seven of those he hit a free throw line jumper had a tip in just on a you know hustle play and then he made his second three of the game so he scored seven of those eight and then it goes from a of a, a seven point lead to a 15 point lead and they really uh never look back at that point but yeah i think he's just uh, a guy that's playing with a ton of confidence offensively and and be able to see some of those shots go in i think he's um you know, taking them with a bit more confidence, not just because he can, but you know, because he he's more confident they're going to go in. So, yeah, just a re- another really good performance. And I think, you know, they went to him inside a little bit. You know, Dante Scott's a little bit undersized at the four, even though he was playing an undersized five for, for Maryland last year. Um, but I think that was a matchup that, you know, not everybody has somebody who can who can defend him uh, all that well while still putting pressure on him defensively. And I thought race did a good job of that. I I don't think, um, Scott ended up with a a ton of points. He hit a couple threes early. He only ended up where he hit one three early. Um, you know, he just ended up with seven points for the game and he typically is one of Maryland's better players. And I thought race was a mismatch for him on the other end. If they wanted to dump the ball inside to him where they could get some things that way. So, um, just becoming a more uh, varied threat on the offensive end by being able to consistently step out and make some of these shots as opposed to just, you know, getting putbacks and um, and and shots right around the rim.
0: Yeah. And, you know, uh, Coach Marlowe, I also thought, you know, Trace Jackson Davis, he's going to be overshadowed for game ball today. I think it's probably going to be between X and race and it's going to be, you know, an excellent debate because they both were excellent. You know, but Trace just kind of with a whole hum 17 points, nine boards, three assists, a block, uh, you know, and, and to me, what was really impressive about his performance today is, you know, one of the storylines coming into this is Trace has struggled in the past, even this season, against size, you know, guys that are bigger than him. You know, he's kind of, he's tried to go around him and not always kind of played through contact and just has let it get into his head a little bit. You know, Cutis Wahab of Maryland, you know, a, a capable guy. His numbers haven't been as good this year as they were at Georgetown, but he's a big, strong guy, the kind of person, player that's given Trace problems. And Trace was just not bothered today. You know, he's more multidimensional. He can go over both shoulders. He can spin both ways. I thought Indiana got him the ball and the move some. He made some good passes. You know, this was you know, I'm sure Trace loves that he doesn't have to be the focal point. He's got X and race, you know, kind of as his wingmen now. uh, And that's great. But this was a really an understated, but I thought really, really good performance from Trace on the road. Um, You know, who, you know, Indiana got down again early, they stayed patient, you know, played through Trace some. Uh, And I thought even in the second half, when Indiana kind of had their little dip there, you know, where you know, Mike Woodson was kind of ready to empty the bench and then Maryland scores six straight points. They go into trace and he settles things back down. Um, and so for him to do this on the road, I just thought a really just rock solid performance from your star.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, I thought he struggled in the first couple of minutes, maybe uh, a little bit. Just I thought their energy was lacking at the beginning. But from that, like I said, after about the first two minutes, I thought their energy really picked up and, and got him going. But I thought the key to the J- trade or Jared on trace was I think at times when he plays somebody like a Kofi or a Travion or an Edie, he wants to, or the kid uh, Dickinson from Michigan. He wants to try and back down, almost kind of that old-fashioned NBA. I'm going to back you down. Just keep hip checking, your shoulder checking. I'm going to back you down. That's really not his game. Where I thought today, and I don't know whether he made the adjustment or whether somebody from the bench, may, you know, said do something else. But he started making a quicker move. He started really making a quick, decisive move, yeah. and that helped him. And I thought that I think that's where he's really at. Even when he's playing against bigger guys like a Coburn or as the other guys we mentioned, because we're going to see Kofi next week. Make a quick move. Make your mind up. Go, and if some if the double comes, be ready to react and 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 move from there. But I thought really from about the 16 minute mark of the first half, Trey started making dynamic, quick moves, and that really played to his advantage. And let's talk
0: real quick just about the overall defensive effort. Um, You know, I'm I'm not sure that any individual you know really stands out defensively. Um, You know, Indiana had a bunch of guys get a block. Indiana had a bunch of guys get a steal. You know, Andy to me the defense today, and they held Maryland to to 0.8, one points per possession, you know, coming on the heels. And look, this Maryland team has been up and down. Frankly, there's a team Indiana should have beaten. I don't think you ever want to say that you should beat a team, quote unquote, by 13 points on the road. I mean, Indiana went above and beyond, but Indiana's better than Maryland. You know, they have better players. They've been better this season, but Maryland had been playing well coming into this game. And so I thought, You know, the story defensively was really, you know, it's kind of a tale of two different things, right? Like I thought Indiana was really connected and played really hard and they competed and got some more of the 50-50 balls, but Maryland was just awful offensively. I mean, they were just content to settle for deep three after deep three. They really, I thought in the first half for a stretch there, Indiana was having trouble containing Fats Russell. And when Fats Russell would get into the lane, he would get Indiana into rotations and they would get some open looks. But, you know, after a little bit of time, it just, you know, it kind of felt like Indiana's performance against Michigan a little bit. It's like one team was playing a little bit harder, a little bit more desperate with a little more focus, and it just kind of all added up over the course of the game. And so I think those two things, you know, kind of combined uh, into the really poor offensive showing for Maryland, but take nothing away from Indiana. I mean, they were consistently connected and focused defensively, and I thought that just kind of broke Maryland's will, you know, and they didn't want to do the hard stuff to get good shots. And in part because Indiana was playing so good defensively.
1: Yeah, it it was. Uh, I thought IU, again, when I talk about that response to to Maryland making some of those shots, I mean, the first three they hit in the game was a really tough shot. The second one was wide open, as I recall. But um, I really felt like in, as opposed to the Michigan game where they gave up some open looks early uh, and saw him go down. It it almost made IU defend a little bit harder um, during the first during that stretch of the first half, and I think it it culminated in that defensive possession to end the the first half that you talked about, where you know they really got back out on shooters and and were able to recover there, and then and then for long stretches of the second half, Maryland's game plan was just uh, I, I'm not well I'm actually not sure what it was, but it was it was offensive to the eyes quite honestly. It was like, I think we summed was, it
0: up well in our text message. I'm just not it's sure it's not can one say that. yeah which we cannot share,
1: but yeah. Um, not, not one that Danny Manning is going to want to put on his, uh, yeah. his, his reel for why he should get a head coaching job because it was it was pretty rough. But um, I, I do attribute that a little bit to how well you played in a stretch, and then it, it like you said, it, Maryland just kind of didn't want a, a part of the fight uh, in that regard. But it, it, you know, more impressive by you that you know Maryland had just hit twelve threes against Rutgers uh, in the last no yeah twelve they were twelve of twenty five against Rutgers in the last game out, and they'd had you know, two of their best offensive games from an efficiency standpoint, um, on the season in that Illinois game and the Rutgers game. So for IU to go in there and really, uh, really shut them down, hold them to, you know, less than 30% shooting, I think overall, uh, is really impressive. And and despite Maryland's game plan or lack thereof, I, I think you got to give IU a lot of credit for that. It, you know, they really, you know, held him less than 25% from three for the game and less than 29% from the floor. So uh, really solid effort. And and, and we, we can argue how Maryland's season has not gone how they wanted it to, but they're, it, it's not an argument where they don't have talented guys. Ayala um, was really good last year. Um, Dante Scott, as I mentioned before, had been good. And, and Wahab, he ends up with 12, but he got six uh, really late. So for the balance of the game, uh, in large part because they seemed to have no interest in giving him the ball in the post. Um, he he didn't do anything either. so uh, I thought a really solid all around. Just good effort um, was the big thing and that led to a few fouls here and there. but um, overall just thought there was was good effort um, after that first initial uh, initial barrage from Maryland that didn't let them get comfortable in the same way that they let Michigan get comfortable.
0: yeah, and look, I mean, uh- Tons of good today in a thirteen-point road win, um, and still, you know, some other really good performances that we have to talk about, Coach Marlowe. The one concern I have coming out of this game is Parker Stewart. You know, he played sixteen minutes, only took one shot. And really just never seemed to get in the flow. Now, on the plus side, I guess, you know, Mike Woodson was much more willing to kind of have a little bit of a shorter leash and pull him out of there if he wasn't really producing. And, you know, we saw, you know, obviously Trey Galloway ended up getting 25 minutes, which is nine more than than Parker played and earned them. Um, but, you know, having a shooter as good as Parker and only getting him one shot, that's probably if I had to, you know, pinpoint one concern coming out of today, that would be it, you know, because you know you're not going to face a team uh, you know like Maryland every time out and there's some tough games coming up that I feel like we're going to need to be able to get him more shots and be better than 6 for 20 from from three point range. So if I had to pick a concern coming out of today it's that that he almost seems kind of less involved in the offense right now over the past few weeks even though you're seeing a lot of other parts of the offense pick up He doesn't seem to be a guy that's really able to get into rhythm much, and I can't, you know, I I haven't fully been able to pinpoint: is that him? Is it his teammates? Is it the system? Is that I don't, I don't fully know, but I just know that he doesn't look quite as, not I don't engaged isn't the right word, but he's just not as fluid a part of the offense right now for whatever reason, and I can't pinpoint it, but I know, but I feel like as we head down the stretch in February, that's one of the things that's going to need to change for this team because you got to get your best shooter more shots.
2: Yeah, and I pointed this out, I think, on Twitter, Jared, that I was really concerned at the beginning of the game because all the things that we did in the Penn State game that we ran early action, whether it was the staggers or the floppy action, or or just some just pin down screens to get our shooters open and, and and even if they weren't open it at least got movement into the offense early and i think that's something parker probably needs and so does miller i think you can combine both of these in the same conversation parker because we only had one shot today but i think it's been a lingering question or, or concern for me for a while that to, these are supposed to be your shooters in this offense and they're not getting 10 shots combined in a game usually. So I, I would have liked to see him run, especially early in those first couple of minutes. I know we want to go inside to TJD, but I really would like to see us run some more staggered type stuff or the floppy action for Parker and see if we could get him going and see if he could have one of those games where he hits five or six threes because he gets in a rhythm early. But like you said, he only got 16 minutes today and coach Woodson, as you mentioned, and I thought this during the game that he was very comfortable with Trey Galloway on the floor with Xavier Johnson. And then whoever else was going to be at the three. So, but I was really surprised that Parker was that uninvolved in the offense today.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, they ran some stuff for Cop. It seemed like early in the second half they got him going a little bit. I think that, and that's to belabor the, you know, starting lineup conversation. I think one of the things that makes it challenging is you've got two guys who are essentially in the same, not playing the same position, but kind of in the same role of guys that you feel like, I need to run stuff to get this guy's shots. Well, when they're both on the floor at the same time, how many things can you run for them that might take away from getting the ball inside the TJD that put it out of X's hands on like pick and roll situations and things like that? I think that almost as much as anything is an argument to be able to get some of these guys in the in with the other group where they can be more of a focal point and it's not detracting from, from other guys. I just think that is among the challenges of playing those two guys together because you've got two guys who can't create their own shot. You brought them in to shoot. And unless they're getting them on kickouts, you just, you know, how many of every 10 possessions can you, can you realistically run for one of the two of them? I, I just think it goes into a shot distribution thing where you, you're still going to want to get the bulk of your, your shots by, you know, race trace and, um, and X. So I, I think that makes it a little bit tougher and i think he's done more to try to run run things for them but i I think it almost is like it's a pendulum that swings one way or the other where it's like well they're running a lot of stuff for miller they're running a lot of stuff for parker and the other one kind of ends up out in the cold um because i'm not sure there's a great way to to totally balance that out
2: and that's a fair point andy and the other part about that is trey probably fits a little better at times with that lineup whether you got parker or miller in there because trey's not hunting shots whereas we kind of want miller and or parker to be looking for shots and trey's going to take what he gets and i wish he was a better three point shooter and he may eventually be but his best attribute right now is he's willing to get downhill and create and find open people yeah he had the two dunks today i'll take those any day of the week but that's why i think maybe trey fits a little better but he doesn't have to start for me i'm not i'm not trying to go back into that arm i just think that when Trey's on the floor it brings a little better dynamic like you mentioned
3: yeah
0: all right. Well, we won by 13 on the road, so that'll probably be the last that we talk about concerns coming out of this game. Let's talk about all the good stuff because <laughs> because the, there was a lot of good stuff and we haven't gotten to some of it, but we're going to do that now coming up uh, in Meaningful Moments. So coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's 13-point victory over Maryland, we'll point out today's Meaningful Moments you might have missed, then we'll go inside the numbers to highlight some fun numbers that tell the story of this game. You're listening to The Assembly Call. Stick with us.
3: hi it's thomas bryant what's the only thing better than being kentucky in the ncaa tournament celebrating it with friends afterwards join jared andy ryan and coach after every iu basketball game go hoosiers
0: Thank you, Thomas. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Jeff Marlowe. And gentlemen, it is time now for meaningful
3: moments that you might have missed.
0: And guys, I would like to go back to the first half. And, you know, we've kind of talked about how topsy-turvy the very beginning of the game was. Maryland jumps out to the 8-0 lead. Uh, Indiana, you know, then goes on a big run. They end up leading 15-11 at the under 12-minute timeout. Maryland goes back on a run. It's 19-18. to It was back and forth a little bit. And there's kind of a little stretch there, you know, when the bench came in where it was kind of teetering. And it looked like Maryland might regain control of this game briefly. And I thought the play of Jordan Geronimo was really important in making sure that that didn't happen during a stretch where, you know, Indiana was kind of struggling to get some of the good shots. You know, again, they were giving up a lot of dribble penetration to Fats Russell and Jordan Geronimo offensively, you know, was getting boards and just finding himself in the right space to get dunks and then had two big block shots. And, you know, really, I thought in the middle part of that first half, Andy, you saw where, you know, Indiana, they have struggled defensively, especially in Big Ten play, you know, of kind of overhelping and then, you know, recovering out to three-point shooters. And they've given out they've given up some three-point looks. But on the flip side, they help and recover toward the basket as well as anybody. And their rim protection is outstanding. You know, whether it's Trace, whether it's Jordan, whether it's Race. I mean, once someone does, you know, kind of pierce the first line of defense, they've got a wall coming at them, you know, whoever it is. And that, I thought, was really on display when Jordan was out there. And frankly, I was interested to see how Jordan would respond. You know, because he kind of had that notable exchange with Coach Woodson, I think with Coach Fife during the last game, you know, and you kind of saw him looking upset and Anthony Leal putting his arm around his shoulder. Well, I think Jordan Geronimo told you exactly how he'll respond as he comes out and just kind of plays like an animal. You know, I mean, he was no one was playing harder and his athleticism was on display and he was just doing Jordan Geronimo things, which is getting dunks, getting rebounds and blocking shots. And he showed it all, and I thought, you know, kind of during a two or three minute stretch there, when Indiana kind of needed someone to step up, he was really, really good.
1: Yeah, I had uh, I had marked down a couple of plays from him during I think the same stretch you're talking about. He got a dunk uh, on a play. I think it was Trace ended up getting the ball, kind of coming down the lane and, and um, shovelled it off to him for a dunk. There, he goes down on the other end, gets a block shot, and then uh, on the subsequent offensive possession, I think uh, Bates missed a three and Xavier missed a three, but Geronimo ends up getting the ball and. Um, and putting it back in. I, I just thought he was really active um, and missed a couple of the jump shots that he's really made. You know, some of those elbow jumpers uh, at times. It was one he faded away on in the second half and left it a little bit short, but thought he generally took good shots and um, just activity level is, is really what they need from him. I mean, his athleticism is enough to get him a couple of baskets every game, um, just on rebounds and things like that, especially against a Maryland team that doesn't have a ton of size or strength um, inside once you really get past Wahab. You know, he was a guy who could really just use his his athletic gifts and uh, be able to generate some things there. And and to your point, the block shots were uh, were key on the defensive end. Where if they're able to you know funnel guys there, I thought for the most part they did a good job running guys off of the three point line. I think we saw that a few times, even in the second half, where they forced them off and then they settled for a a long jump shot, a little bit different than what you saw uh, against Penn State, where they were able to make some threes because. You know, didn't matter because the game was so far out of hand. But, you know, those were the shots that you didn't want to give up. And I thought they did a a better job in general, him included, of uh, being able to force them into, you know, some tougher twos um, or into the teeth of the defense where they could get some blocks.
0: Uh, you know, we'll talk about the numbers obviously coming up, but Indiana with 17 assists today on 26 made baskets. And I thought there were, you know, a couple of just really nice passes that I wanted to point out. One was early in the second half, uh, Trace Jackson Davis, coach, continuing to show his evolved passing game where he got it in the post, you know, Miller Cop kind of drifted open on the wing. And Trace was just a nice little no look that kind of gave Miller the extra step he needed uh, for a three. He knocked it down. And then, you know, obviously we need to talk some about Christian Lander, you know, who finally got in uh you know got some minutes and i thought you know christian had a a great post entry um into trace jackson davis that led to a dunk which really i thought put on display the best thing christian does right now which is as a passer he passes it you know, he kind of understand now, obviously he turns it over too much, but when he does kind of make good passes, they're typically at an angle and delivered in a place where the guy can go right into a movement. So whether it's a shooter being able to go right into a shot or like that post-entry to Trace, I mean, he's just like a quarterback passing a guy open. He put it right at the angle where Trace's body moved and it put him right into a dunk. And so I thought you saw some really good passing uh, at different times today from Indiana uh, to not just get it to an open guy, but get it to a guy At the angle where he could immediately do something with it. Not something that we've seen a lot. I think X is pretty good at that. You know, Trace getting better at it. And I think that's one of the that's one of the things Lander brings to the game. Uh, You know, we'll talk about some of his struggles a little bit later. Um, But those uh, those those moments really stood out to me. Coach, any other moments uh, that stood out to you
2: that we haven't mentioned yet? Well, struggles. We don't have any struggles to talk about today. We're <laughs> celebrating a, a road win. Hey, uh, but first of all, that was my meaningful moment, though. Both Joe, uh, though Jared, was Christian Lander getting ten minutes today. I know ten minutes doesn't seem like a lot, but for a kid that hasn't played in about a month, um, to get him ten minutes on the floor, and as I thought, you mentioned great pass to Trace, but he also knocked down a three. He also showed that if he can get downhill and attack the rim, he's, he has the ability to finish. And I just think right now when he plays and it, it, and I think coach Woodson does a good job with this with all the kids Pl- find a way to play to your strengths and right now Christian's strength is his vision he 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 understands passing angles he understands timing and I thought he you know a little bit in the first half you know I saw some people on twitter that were like you know Oh, not so good. But those, a lot of the turnovers at the turnovers that happened in the first half weren't Christian Lander turnovers. He just happened to be on the floor at the time, but they weren't his turnovers. I thought in the second half, he really played a good set of extended minutes. So my meaningful moment was the fact that with Rob out and we don't know how long he's going to be out. Christian Lander could come in and give us 10 minutes and, and show that he's capable of being a at least right now, a good backup point guard.
0: It's so funny, Andy, you know, Lander hasn't played much, but it seemed like, seems like every time he plays, it's like a really key moment, you know, down the stretch against St. John's and overtime against Syracuse, protecting a road lead against Maryland. It's like he never gets the easy minutes. It's like all these like kind of pressure filled minutes. And he look, he's had his struggles on defense. He committed four fouls in 10 minutes. And I think, you know, as you said, I think as you, you know, you texted Andy and you can expound on it here, you know, he showed you, he he did what he typically does. He shows you enough stuff where you're like, damn, this kid's got something and I want to see some more minutes from him. But then he also shows you why he's probably not playing more, you know, because of some of the defensive struggles.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny. I I feel like we've said that or I've said that on the show a number of times, and you know we were kind of going back and forth about you know some of his defensive struggles, and you know Ryan has made the point on the show and made the point uh, in our in our text chain as well of uh, you know he's not gonna he's not gonna get better at those things unless he gets to play. So you're kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't. You can say I'm not going to play him because he's not doing these things right, but but one of the the key ways that he's going to be able to get better at those things is is to play more. Um, so you gotta do that. Maybe
0: he needs to show that in practice, though. I guess. Well, that, that could case. be it as
1: well. Yeah. I'm I'm not necessarily saying I agree or disagree with with Ryan's sentiment. And I know you guys have, have <laughs> talked about it as well. Come on. But dude. but I think he does, you know, like I said, he does enough when he's in the game that you're like, I'd like to see more of him. I see why he was rated a five-star. There's a lot there. And you kind of spin that forward. And then you look at some other stuff and you'd be like, look, if this is what he's doing in practice. I can see why a coach would be reticent to put him in the game in certain situations, um, and so you just got to figure out how you shift that balance over time. And we can say that some of the fouls were ticky tack. I know some people were saying that I thought he got away with another shove. Of, then they just said Fat Russell lost the ball, so um, call it even, and maybe he got one he didn't deserve and got away with another one that he did. So, um, but I, I liked Woodson being able to leave him in. I, I thought that was, you know, Woodson was playing. He, you know, to let more of the bench guys play later and and it didn't really come back to bite anybody. But I thought it was good that he was able to get some of those minutes. Didn't have as quick to hook with him in that scenario where he got the four fouls and he kind of went over to the sideline. And I'm thinking, OK, he's getting taken out. Um, but he talked to him and, and, and put him back in. So those are things that he has to learn from. But they're absolutely going to need him to be able to step into some of those minutes. And it probably is not going to be 10 on a regular basis, as much as people may say that that's what they want. Um, but even if it's six or eight, they're going to need him to be able to step in during the stretch while Rob is out for however long that is. Um, I love that they categorize it as day to day, but he's like got the scooter that he's like wheeling around. I was like, that doesn't suggest day to day to me, but I guess we can say whatever we want about injuries. Yeah. It seems like it's more like probably three to four weeks. Yeah. That um, that would be my guess, but it was kind of and, funny the way they were like, well, they said he's day to day. I was like, this is not the look of a, this is not the look of a man who is day to day. to
2: me. And Andy, I totally agree with you. I think we just got at points where we just got to let Christian Lander play, and 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 I know there are times on defense where he doesn't look very good, or like today getting four fouls in seven minutes. But I think right now you have to have another serviceable point guard. Yes, we can talk about tomorrow and Trey picking up some of those minutes, but there may be a game here where X gets in foul trouble, heaven forbid. But he's we're going to need more than ten minutes out, or figure out a way to get more than that out of a combination. And you know, I think you just got to show some confidence and, and and hopefully the kid's going to keep improving. And I agree with Jared. I, I know we're not in practice. We don't see everything in practice, but this could be a big part of a, of a development for Christian lander. I was having this conversation with somebody on, on Twitter that, you know, that this could be huge. I mean, that's, it, don't want anybody to ever get hurt, but this may be the opportunity that Christians needed to really show coaching staff that he's capable of handling it.
0: And look, if this had been a competitive game in the second half, my guess is X probably plays all 20 minutes in the second half. You know, Woody had the luxury of sitting him some today, you know, because Indiana was in control for that whole second half. And that and it was nice to be able to get Christian some of those minutes. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens down the stretch. But look, I think everybody was rightfully worried about how this was going to play out on the road without a backup point guard and a starting point guard who, despite how well he's played over the last four or five games, has had a propensity in his career to pick up fouls. Well, for the first game on the road, it went great because X didn't pick up fouls. We got a big lead and we got the young kids some experience. It's not always going to go this well. But for today, let's enjoy it because that was the absolute ideal way that it could all uh, play out. Gentlemen, let's talk about numbers Uh, in this segment sponsored by the Power Rank, where our friend Ed uses data and analytics to make accurate football and college basketball predictions. He also writes an incredible March Madness guide every year, which we will have a special offer for you on once March rolls around. And this was an important step in Indiana actually being involved in March Madness, which we'll talk to Andy about in segment three. Um, and Ed has got uh you know NFL picks. So if you're looking for some advice for tomorrow's games for the Super Bowl, uh you're gonna want to go check his stuff out. Go to thepowerrank.com slash AC to subscribe to his free email newsletter and then to see the other offers that he has there. That's thepowerrank.com slash AC. All right, guys, let's uh let's pick out some numbers that tell the story of this game. And you know, look, I think a lot of good numbers on Indiana side, you know, the Hoosiers only turned the ball over 10 times. They dominated in the paint with 36 points in the paint. You know, typically if you're going to go on the road and win by 13 points, you're probably thinking, wow, this team probably shot really well, you know, but Indiana only goes six of 20 from downtown, um, you know, and you have some key guys like Xavier Johnson, as well as he played was one of eight from the field. You know Tamar Bates, who I thought looked a lot more comfortable offensively, couldn't buy a bucket. He was 0 for 6. You know uh, Parker Stewart doesn't really get going shooting wise. So, uh, you know you, you didn't you didn't you, know, you missed uh, I thought some some pretty good looks. Uh, but again, you know you were able to overcome that because Andy, you hold Maryland uh, to six of 27 uh, shooting from downtown. Uh, the one downside though at the free throw defense for Indiana continues to be a bugaboo. I think Indiana was giving up 78% from the free throw line coming in. Maryland, 17 of 18 from the line. So you have to expect some regression uh, toward the mean here for Indiana, some bad free throw per- uh, performances from an opponent. Um, and that's what I mean. Like, I, I, it'll, I'll be really interested to look at the shot quality um, stats from this one, because this is a game that Indiana won by 13, and frankly, it felt like they won by 22, 23 points. It's just Maryland, you know, made some free throws, Indiana missed some shots, and so the margin was a little closer than it was, but I almost feel like, you know, the the numbers don't quite tell the story that the eye test told on this one.
1: Uh yeah, it's it's funny you say that the, the free throw defense. I know we joke about it frequently, <laughs> but IU is it's getting out of hand at this point. IU is 14th <laughs> in the nation as of right now in uh in adjusted defensive efficiency on Ken Palm And they their opponents they're three hundred and forty-third out of three hundred and fifty-eight teams on uh unquote unquote free throw defense. Big so ten opponents are shooting eighty percent. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. Not bad. Um <laughs> Yeah, the one they missed was the guy at the very end that, that missed one. They had gone almost the whole game without missing one as well. Um, yeah, I think it, I I agree with what you said. I think part of that was just not shooting the ball well in the first half because you looked at it at, at halftime and and you'd say I U got outscored by nine from the three point line and was still up by seven, so you felt pretty good about it. They were one of nine from three in the first half. That you know five of eleven in the second half, though, so a good bounce back in in that regard and you know kind of bounced IU out. Then they shot, they ended up being even from the three-point line in terms of uh, number made, although they took seven fewer attempts to um, to get there. So, yeah, I agree. It was kind of, um, you know, my, my parents came to visit and they got here in the middle of the game, and so they're asking how it had been going, and I was like, yeah, they've just been kind of like back and forth in the second half. Nobody really, like, never really felt, totally threatened but never really ran away with it either um and i think that leads a little bit to to maybe feeling that way where you felt like you had some chances to to maybe push it up to 20 uh at some point and they didn't end up doing that and they give up that little six zero run there to get it down to 12 and, and it finishes at 13 so um but yeah overall you know the, the defensive numbers are solid but it is kind of funny as you look at a few of the things there where you're like yeah it wouldn't you know you, you wouldn't necessarily think that some of the some of the typical things that you might look for to see is IU playing well weren't really there and in the way that I had it IU ended up just under a point per possession uh, for the game and so you know that really speaks to it because for as well as they played defensively they didn't blow the doors off on the offensive end by any stretch just because they had um, some stretches in the second half with turnovers some of that was with um, you know reserves in and and where they're just kind of running clock and not running offense in the same way they were uh, at other times. So maybe, maybe you discount those a little bit. But overall, I thought in the parts that matter, they took care of the ball really well and did, other than maybe make it a few more threes, um, did did the things that you would normally expect them to, to do in a game that they really controlled for the, really the entirety of the second half.
0: Yeah. And the other thing, you know, typically the teams that, you know, get more blocks and steals and are more active defensively are going to win. Indiana with six blocks and six steals. Maryland, no block shots and four steals. And, you know, it doesn't count you know, that, just all of the
1: deflections. That is definitely reflective of the uh, variance yes. in defensive effort between the two teams, for sure.
2: Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, coach, what numbers stand out to you? I'm going to go with the macro first, Jared. We're seven and four in the Big Ten. Woohoo After 11 games seven and four and and Ari pointed out in the uh, in the chat here with the chat mob that I think Mike Schumann had it that this is the first time since 2016 that we've been three games above 500 this deep into the big Ten season. So we're seven and four baby in the big ten and let's keep it going. Uh, hey, but on a, on a different note I'll kind of go to kind of what uh, that Andy was talking a little bit about. 15 points off of 13 Maryland turnovers. So we were getting just over a point per turnover that we were forcing. And I think that's an, especially on the road, you're forcing turnovers and you're converting them into points. That was a stat that really jumped out to me.
0: Yeah. Um, Andy, what other ones jumped out here before we
1: close up? Yeah, I mean, I think as I look down, a lot a lot of things were, you know, rebounding was pretty even, uh, was actually dead even across the board. I think IU had one more defensive rebound. Maryland, one more on the offensive end, um, which, you know, led to them with second chance points. You know, bench points was another one. Uh, we, we've touched a bit on the bench, but 19 to three uh, in bench points from IU and, you know, Galloway ends up with eight, uh, Geronimo six and, and Lander five. So it was really just those three guys who scored, but um, and I think those were, were the ones that we've already touched on a bit, but you know, really good contributions from, uh, from those guys and, you, and you're playing without one of your core bench guys and Rob. So to be able to still get 17 bench points when arguably the first guy, the guy that was your first man off the bench, um, you know, first or second guy for the majority of the season so far, I think that was positive and, and you need those contributions to, um, to, to get a road win. So, um, you know, that was the other one that really stood out, but otherwise I think we've hit on the, uh, the majority of them. The only other one that
0: stands out is the big zero uh, next to Michael Durr's name. No minutes again for Michael Durr. Uh, We don't really have any insight on why he's not playing, but, you know, had that terrific game against Purdue, uh, you know, had six decent minutes against Michigan. So it certainly doesn't seem like it's an effectiveness issue. It seems like there's something going on there where he's not getting minutes. Um, So I don't know if that's been addressed in Woody's press conference because I haven't seen it. Um, but that just seems a little odd. This, this especially kind of seemed like a good matchup for him. You know, Wahab is the kind of big man that you'd think, uh, you know, Dirk could match up pretty well against, um, to get him some minutes. So just seems, seems a little strange that he, uh, did not get in there, but we'll see if he's back for the Illinois game, uh, which we will talk about a little bit in this upcoming segment as Jared, well. Oh, oh, yes.
2: I just, I hate to jump in. I just want to point out one other stat that really jumped to me as well. Trey Galloway, we talked about 25 minutes, eight points, But we've also talked on the show and on on AC Radio about his turnover percentage, his turnover rate today. Trey Galloway, zero turnovers.
0: Very nice. That's big. And it wasn't for lack of aggression. I mean, he was driving in hard, but just I thought was a little bit better at, at finding the open guy and making a good solid pass. So good, good number there, coach. Okay, uh, coming up here on the assembly call, we are going to hand out our game balls and the Hoosier Hustle Award. Then we will introduce, uh, no, we're not going to introduce a new segment. We're going to talk about some lingering questions and talk with Andy about what this does for Indiana from a bracketology perspective. That's next. Stick with us.
1: Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself.
2: What's up, y'all? It's Devontae Green giving you the green light to watch Assembly Call after every IU game.
0: Just don't listen to their opinions about shot selection. Remember, you miss 100% of the shots
2: you don't take. Go, Hoosiers!
0: Thank you, Devontae. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game and every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Almost 10,000 IU fans have subscribed. You can join for free at join.assemblycall.com. That's join.assemblycall.com. All right, I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, And the coach, Jeff Marlowe, who just got called out by the other coach, Tonsoni, who said, I would be more impressed if Coach Marlowe would wear that jersey without long sleeves. So, Coach Marlowe, that is a direct challenge from uh, from Coach Tonsoni. Maybe Coach Tonsoni will have to wear a jersey without long sleeves next time he's on the show, now that he has called you out. Um, Guys, let's talk about game balls. I think, uh, Andy, you could go in three ways with this. I think the debate will probably end up being between two guys, though. Uh, Who gets your game ball?
1: I'll go with race. I'm really, I'm really carrying the water for Ryan here in these last couple of postgame shows, uh, trying to, you know, (laughs) trying to get these awards to race. I, I hope that is uh, I hope that is noted. No, I'll go with, I'll go with him. I think it's well-deserved, um, you know, led the team in points and rebounds and, and only played 27 minutes, uh, for him, uh, which is one of the lower ones that he's had. had a block and a steal, uh, just one turnover and, and did, uh, chip in with an assist. So I thought, as we talked about, it really seems to be, you know, selling in and rounding out his offensive game and uh, a, another really good performance from him. So I'll give it to race.
0: Yeah. Look, I think, I think this is one of the better games of race's career. So I will not try and argue you out of race, but my game ball goes to Xavier Johnson, you know, uh, you know, only eight points, but nine assists, the two turnovers. I thought defensively, he was very good without fouling, which was probably the single most important thing that needed to happen today is, you know, against their guards and against a guy like Fats Russell who can penetrate, we needed good defense at the point of attack, but X could not get in foul trouble. And he was able to still play active physical defense without getting into foul trouble. The difference is he just didn't shoot well. You know, he was one of eight. He was one of five from downtown. But to me, within that number is actually another reason that he gets the game ball. He did not force shots. I mean, think about all the shots that he took. You know, the threes, yeah, he was one for five, but those were all good three-pointers within the flow of the offense. He wasn't taking them off the dribble early in the shot clock, and so, you know, there's a difference between playing well and shooting well, and if just, you know, two of those threes go down, he's got 14 points, you know, yes, that would be more successful. We would have won by 21, you know, or 19 points. That'd be great. We want to make shots, but I don't think it would have changed that he did all the right things today. And absolutely was a huge part of Indiana being settled when they got, you know, down 8-0. And I also thought, you know, him, his willingness to just absolutely attack the rim um, and go get himself to the line to be able to manufacture a few points on a day when his shot wasn't going down um, was really good. You know, five of six from the line. He took the most free throws on Indiana. So, uh, you know, Coach, I thought Trace and Race were both awesome but today, given not having Rob and the uncertainty behind Xavier, he had to not only be good, he had to stay available, and he did all the things that a point guard needs to do to go win a road game. So he gets my game ball.
2: Yeah, and it feels like you're trying to talk me into it, Jared.
0: Yes, I'm <laughs> arguing for my guy. Andy can argue
2: for his
1: guy, and then we're going to give it to you to break the tie.
2: Well, yeah, I, yeah. Oh, thanks. That's what I'm here for. Um, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going. Jared, go when I play. host,
1: I never, I never leave it. I never. Get... Throw myself in there. Like, I always put it up so if somebody has to break the tie, it's going to be me. I love that you just yeah. you just he throw Coach Marlowe right in the well, line of fire here. Because I didn't with, know who uh, he
0: was going to. Look, there's more drama. I don't know who he's going to pick. If he picks race, now, you know, there's no drama for the third person. I was just trying to set up some drama here. Oh, all right. Well, okay. Whatever you got to do. I
2: don't know. But I was going to go with race. I, I just think, you know, you look at on a day we didn't score, we, on a day we didn't shoot well, seven for 12, two for two from deep. Um, about the only negative, he was only two for four at the line, but 12 rebounds, an assist, a steal, a block. Um, uh, Race Thompson is and I know we've talked about this as we go through the season, but you're really starting to see the value that Race Thompson brings. That because in my opinion, he didn't really force any shots either. Out of those 12 shots, those were all shots that really came to him either in flow of offense or that we ran something for him. And so I think you really see, not to sound like Ryan here, but I really think you see the value and the glue that race Thompson brings. And now when you start adding in some of the others like Xavier, who can start making some, you know, I know he didn't hit shots today, but we've seen Xavier now to be able to knock down some shots, get to the rim. This is becoming a team, a tougher team to deal with. I'm not saying they're great, but becoming a tougher team to deal with an offensive end. And the more race can step out and hit that three the better this team's gonna be because it just opens up the floor more for our star player in Trace Jackson Davis.
0: Hey, I, I am not gonna argue against Race. He was terrific. Again, you wanna know how you become a team that can compete for a Big Ten title? You come on the post game show and consistently have two or three guys who could win the game ball. So these are the types of debates and discussions that we should be having in this segment. Too often, the segment is a formality, which is why this is a mediocre basketball program. This is a sign. And look, you know, this was a really important game. Like, coming in, into today with Indiana sitting at 6-4... and four, there's a lot at stake over these next two games, you know, counting today and with the Illinois game because you win both of these and Indiana completed the first step today. If you win that Illinois game against a team that's above you in the standings, you're eight and four. At worst, you know, you're two games back in the Big Ten race, but you've put yourself in the conversation with eight games to go because you're going to be playing all the teams above you. You know, you lose one of these games and you probably fall back into the middle of the Big Ten, you know, for, for the rest of the season. You know, but winning these two games really kind of gets you, it. you know, going down the stretch, feeling good about what you're doing. And so this was a really, really important victory for Indiana in which, you know, it's three all Big Ten level players played like it. Um, so, you know, kudos to all those guys, because um, all three of them, Race Trace uh, and X, were terrific today. OK, it is time now for... <clears throat> Sponsored by our friends at Evansville Security Services, based in the hometown of IU legend Calbert Cheney, Evansville Security Services provides off-duty police officers to businesses and individuals throughout Indiana. Remember, prevention cannot be measured, so let Evansville Security Services help you prevent a bad outcome today. Go to EvansvilleSecurityServices.com to learn more. That's EvansvilleSecurityServices.com. All right, gentlemen, who's uh, your Hustle Award. Coach Marlowe, why don't you lead us off?
2: Yeah, this was one, again, Jared, I think it shows you where the teams come. This used to be one where we maybe at times struggled to find a Hoosier Hustle Award in the past. Today, I think you could give it to two or three kids. I think you have X in here. I think you could have, uh, to a certain degree, maybe TJD, but definitely a a Trey Galloway could be in this conversation. Uh, I'm going to go with X, just more because maybe to me sometimes Hustle isn't always showing up in the stat line. He only had one steal, but nine assists – and only two turnovers, and I see – maybe I'm watching it a little differently from coaches' viewpoint, but I see X starting to become the leader on the floor. He's getting guys where they're supposed to go. You can start to see – Mike Woodson has said he's hard on point guards. He expects the point guard to be an extension of him, and I've started to see that here in the last two, three weeks, and I thought I really saw it on the road today where X you know showed leadership, and he had that one play – You know, there, there's a stretch there we kind of talked about earlier – they created some turnovers in that half-court defense, and it was X who was either creating it or grabbing the steal. But he was, you know, creating it by being active. And so I'm going to go with X on my Hoosier Hustle.
0: Okay,
1: a worthy recipient, Andy. Who gets yours? Uh, well, that's that's who I'm going to go with as well. I'll give honorable mention to Jordan Geronimo. He ended up with uh, eight rebounds, I think, in 20 minutes or so uh, of action, including three, including three or eight rebounds in 18 minutes. So uh, he gets six points, eight rebounds. Two blocks and a steal uh, in 18 minutes. So uh, you know, kudos to Jordan for that. Uh, but yeah, I went with that cause I think, you know, we've talked a lot about the assists, uh, the play at the end of the first half of, of really not panicking or forcing a shot, finding TJD uh, for that shot. And I will, uh, I will selectively use plus minus to make the argument for him, even though uh, his plus minus was... Uh, was quite a bit better than Ray Thompson's the last one. Um, but he's plus 20 and holds Fats fast Russell to a minus 23. Um, so when we talk about defense, uh, he had a huge factor in, in, in really kind of getting Maryland a little bit out of sync um, and forcing Russell to, uh, Russell to struggle. My hustle award goes
0: to Andy for coming up with stats on the fly that so perfectly illustrate his point. That was great.
1: While, um, while while ignoring while ignoring others that that fly in the face of points I'm trying to make. absolutely
0: the way that we use plus minus on this show is so hypocritical. We really we've got to get a hold of this, but it's okay., um, yeah, man. X. I think you could give it to him all the time. This is, you know, this is why I've been in X's corner since the start of the season because he has been so up and down, but he has never not played hard. And he did it again today, just terrific effort. Um, I echo what you said, Andy. You know, I thought Jordan Geronimo's hustle while he was in there was really, really important, um, as I said, in kind of allowing Indiana to maintain control of the game in the first half. But let's give it to X. He's very deserving. But look, this team is where they are uh, 16 and 5, 7 and 4, because they all play hard and they play together, you know? And that's the thing. You're not going to play defense like this. Uh, and, you know, the updated Kim Pop numbers are in Indiana defensively 14th in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency. They are first in the Big Ten in raw defensive efficiency, having played, you know, several, several of the good offenses. Uh, and that's with opponents shooting 80% from the free throw line. So, you know, just a normal free throw shooting percentage against uh, and that defensive number is even better. And you only get there with guys who are fully bought in and hustling almost all the time that they're on the court. You know, we saw what it looks like when they're not doing that, and that was the Michigan game. Um, But you know, for the most part, we've seen it, uh, and it's it's made this team really, really fun uh, to watch.
1: Okay. I also appreciate X's uh, desire, continued desire to just dunk all over someone as he tries to twice in this game, and I am preparing myself for the backlash from the inevitable technical that he'll get when he does throw one down. But I'm I'm here for it, and I look forward to it.
2: (laughs) I mean. Jared, I was just going to say, I agree hard with, with what you're saying. I think Wednesday night I texted out to a friend of mine that this is the IU program we want to see. They're, when they play with energy, they move the ball, they move personnel, and they and they defend. And that's what we've been longing for for so long. Do we want the offense to be more efficient? Yeah, because as you mentioned, Ken Pond has us at 75, but, but – As old school Indiana fans going back to the night years, this is kind of what we wanted. We wanted a team that just was going to fight, show some grit, dig in, be tough to beat. And right now, that's what they're playing to. Knock on wood, hopefully it'll continue. And I don't see any reason why it won't.
0: 100%. Absolutely. Um, All right. What other stuff from this game do we need to talk about? Um, The one guy that we haven't, I guess there's a couple guys that we haven't talked about a lot. Um, You know, one is Tamar Bates. And maybe we should linger on him for just a second. Um, here's what I see. And you guys tell me if I'm crazy. I see a guy that's on the verge of breaking out offensively because to me, after about a month where he looked just really kind of reticent offensively, didn't seem like he was in the flow today. I thought he was really in the flow offensively, just couldn't buy a shot. You know, he got a couple good ones, had a nice little drive that he missed, had some open threes that he missed. But I feel like on a normal day he makes three or four of those. We're on here talking about the lift that he gave offensively. Now defensively, he wasn't as good today as he's been in some previous games. You know, as as Ryan mentioned uh, in our text thread, you know he's got to stop defending with his hands. He had that one really bad foul when he slapped down and didn't need to. Um, but you know he's given you effort on that end. Um, but uh, you know I'm I know you know I, I you know I saw some people that were really disappointed in his performance, and I'm sure he is, and you'd like to see some of those shots go in. But to me, Andy, it's the sign of a guy that is feeling good with a shot, and some of those are going to start to fall. And so I'm, I'm going to keep picking him to click, you know, because I think it's going to happen one of these games. Um, but you know, no, not, I'm not trying to joke. I still think there's, you know, he can be a guy that raises the ceiling for this team in February, and I'm happy to see a guy that's continuing to shoot, continuing to show confidence, because he'll get minutes, and I believe those shots are going to start going
1: down. It yeah, was another game where he got a little bit more, especially with dirt not being there. That's that's forced some of the bench guys to get a few more minutes with, um, you know, with the starters. And I think even during those that stretch during the first half where they had the four um four subs, and and maybe it was TJD or racing, and they kind of let uh, Maryland get a little bit of a run. But he was able to stay out there when when IU brought in uh, some of the starters back in. So I think those kinds of things can help him. I would, I would agree with you. I didn't think he took bad shots. They, they ran one of the plays they run for uh, Parker Stewart on a baseline out of bounds They got him a baseline jump shot that I was like, you know, trying to get to go in, you know, willing it in the basket just because he had missed so many close ones as you had mentioned. But um, yeah, I think shot selection wise, I didn't really have any, any arguments with it. I think the defensive stuff is, is continuing to be a challenge where he's trying to, um, you know, walk the line of, of really being aggressive, but not foolishly aggressive and I thought that was what some you know that that play where he's slapping down you've kind of got the guy to pick up his dribble he's in the lane but he's not in a great position to score just wall up and make him take a tough fadeaway over you instead of you know trying to slap at the ball and and I think that's um, you you know youth and and something that hopefully he improves upon over time but yeah I didn't have any um, you know issue with it you'd love to you know kind of see him make a couple shots and I think we hope that you know, a game that that happens in, then he can build on that and, and stack a couple of games. That just didn't happen today.
0: Maybe he's just waiting for the Illinois game when we're in town. You know, you, you don't need to do that tomorrow, but if that's when you do it, that's fine. Um, by the like- way, shout out real quick. Shout out to Brett Stallman's son. As he just put in the chat, little brag, my son cut back door for a layup today for his first basket all year. Pete Carrillo would have been proud. I know I was <laughs> kudos to your son. This is what happens in Indiana basketball live chats. We're talking about basket cuts for buckets. It's awesome.
2: I think the one thing that would help Tamar Jarrett is I'd like to see him be a little more active on the defensive end, especially on the glass. I mean, 17 yeah. minutes, one board. And to me, that's a way to kind of get yourself more involved in the game is to get on the glass. And I mean, I know – like, even when I was still playing some rec league stuff up until about four or five years ago, there were times where I just felt kind of, you know, like I was in the middle of nowhere in my rec league. I was just like, I'm going to go get some rebounds because that'll make me feel like I'm doing something. And I will agree with Van Pastorman in the chat here that I'd like to see Tamar play a little more downhill. I think he settles yeah. for jump shots too often. And I'd like to see him be a little more downhill and attack the rim.
0: Yeah. The dribbling, his dribbles are still too horizontal and too hesitant. I agree. You know, and look, I think, you know, one of the things that, you know, we're kind of seeing from him early, it's still very early in his career, you know, but he hasn't yet shown that he's a guy who's going to be a plus rebounder, get you a lot of steals and blocks or be much of a playmaker. And so I think as you know, as we look, you know, moving forward in February, you know, unless some of those things change, the value he's going to provide with that bench unit is scoring points. You know, at some point, those shots have to start going in, you know, because he's not necessarily a guy like Trey that gets a lot of steals and kind of creates transition um, and has been a lockdown defender. Um you know, hasn't been a guy like Jordan Geronimo again that's going to give you you know boards and blocks. His role is going to be scoring points. And so I guess, you know that's where to me, I remain optimistic because, you know he's getting shots and he's a good shooter, so we just got to see him start to go down. And hopefully, you know, as we move forward in February, uh, that'll happen. Anything else from this game, Miller cops, you on the other guy we haven't talked about. I thought his two threes to begin the second half were important because I didn't think Indiana was playing great out of the gates early in the second half. But those two threes kept Maryland at arm's length, which is nice. Sometimes when you're easing your way into a half, it's nice to have a guy just make a couple shots. And then I thought Indiana kind of took off from there. Um, you know, but otherwise, you know, not a, not a ton of, you know, involvement from him today, Andy.
1: Yeah, I felt like they did make a concerted effort to get him some shots in the beginning of that half. And he responded, uh, had another one, I think, later in the corner that he was hoping would go down as well. Um, but, you know, good to see him get a couple of shots through. I think he had a turnover there where a guy came up from behind. He just didn't see it uh, a couple of plays after mm-hmm. that. But I think the very next possession down, he hit it. He hit the second of those two threes yeah. to uh, really push it back up. And that's that's kind of during that, that period of the second half where they were just kind of, Nobody was really doing anything very well for either team at the beginning of the, uh, you know, I think IU had hit, hit a couple threes and, and had another basket. I think Maryland did the same where it ends up being 8-8 after they just kind of, um, you know, meander through the first 10 possessions or so at the second half to, to keep it where it was. But yeah, IU didn't really come out of the gate and play play well. And I think in our texting, you said, yeah, those were kind of papering over some other issues at the beginning of the half and, and really just kind of kept Maryland at arm's length uh, in that regard. Um, so here's one other thought that I had,
0: uh, Coach Marlowe, um, and, and maybe this will, you know, kind of be our lingering question. Which I think the lingering question, you know, coming out of this game, obviously you got the point guard thing, but I don't. There's not a lot to talk about with the point guard thing. X has to stay out of foul trouble. Lander needs to essentially play like he did today. He's going to get fouls, but he's got to be productive with his offensive minutes. And Tran tomorrow are going to have to give you something. So I think we kind of know what the answer to that is going to look like. To me, the lingering question is. What does Indiana do with Parker Stewart, um, which I mentioned earlier? You know, and one of the things, you know, Coach Marlowe, when you were talking and you were talking about how it seems like Trey might fit better with the starters, I still remember a conversation that I had with Max Bielfeld after the 2016 season. And you remember that season, you know, Robert Johnson was a starter and he got hurt late in the year. And I think he, he played... Uh, in the you know in the North Carolina Sweet 16 game, but just wasn't himself. And I remember Max saying, "Him getting injured really hurt us because he was our bulldog. You know, he was kind of that bulldog defensively. And it's not a one for one comparison because Trey's a different offensive player than Robert was. Obviously, Robert you know shot like 46 percent from three that year, and that's not the kind of player that Trey is. But I really wonder, you know, using that just that team as an interesting example because the last team that's made the NCAA tournament. If you put Trey Galloway in the Robert Johnson role and let Parker Stewart play the Nick Zeisloft role instead of right now where it's almost flipped, would that be better? You know, and look... You know we're seeing the minutes distribution change. Trey is playing a lot more, so it may not be that big of a deal. But I just wonder if you know if Parker might not benefit a, a little bit from that. You know, Andy, you know you talked about how you know sometimes trying to run sets for Parker it, it complicates things when you got Trace and Race out there and X and you know. So I just wonder if that's a flip that could be interesting. You know, where you know Trey is able to come out there and really set a tone defensively in a lineup that already has other offensive options. And now maybe Parker can be the guy that brings you the shooting off the bench. If it's not, you know, he makes sense as a starter. It's just not working. So, you know, and I always hesitate to have these conversations because it's like, well, who the hell are you guys? Trust Woody. If Coach Woodson came to me and said, you know, Jared, Coach Woodson wants to know what you would do. I would say, Coach, I believe in you, whatever you want to do. We're just, you know, talking on a post game show and tossing out ideas. So just to be clear where I'm coming from. But that's an idea that I was thinking about when you were talking earlier that might make sense because it seems to make sense later in games, you know, and so that that example from the 2016 team just got me thinking about it.
2: Well, and and the thing about Robert Johnson, you go back to that 2016 team, he was really more of the and OG came along. Don't get me wrong, OG was really coming along with that group, but Robert was kind of the defensive stopper. He was that guy who was guard. Yes. And so that's kind of where Trey's bread and butter is. When I watch Trey, I take all of his offense and I love it, but I'm watching where he plays defense and how he locks down on people. And like an Ayala today where he really made things difficult for him. I I think we've seen that Mike Woodson is not going to change the lineup unless something happens and, and, and and like where he pinched Parker, he wouldn't talk about it, but he said basically Parker didn't play be for something internal. Um, I, I just think he really likes the idea that everybody knows their role. There's value in that. I like, Don't get me wrong. Um, and I think Trey brings a lot of value to the role off the bench. I was getting ready to say before you threw me the question that to me, one of the favorite plays of the game, to me, it wasn't a banner moment, but I, I was still kind of at that point where they took the under 12 timeout in the second half. I was kind of like, okay, I'm not feeling real rocks out about this. Yes, I've seen enough IU games over the last five years to feel like... Eh. We're such a and, wounded fan base. <laughs> we are, but then Trey grabs the steal. He grabs the steal off the inbound, gets a layup, and we go up 17, and I was kind of like, oh, okay, this is a little different. You know, We didn't wait for the something to happen to us. We went out and made something happen. So I, I think in, in, in the hypothetical, you probably are making a lot of sense that Parker would probably benefit from the second unit. But I think right now what you're seeing is in the last few games, starting with the Purdue game, the Michigan game is a little bit of an outlier. But the Penn State game and this game, where he really, Coach Woodson has, feels really comfortable with having Trey Galloway on the on the floor in crunch time, whether that's at the end of a first half, middle of the second half, in the second half, you can see that Trey has he has has worked to the point where he's got Coach Woodson has a ton of confidence to have Trey Galloway on the floor when the when the minutes matter. And I think that's right now where you just got to keep it.
0: Yep. Um, okay, Andy, let's quickly just talk about the bracketology impact of this.
1: Um, you
0: know, obviously it's not like a signature win, but it's a road win for a program that really needs them.
1: Yeah, the b- biggest thing for IU right now, and I, I wrote this up on the the intro to my um my bracket earlier this week at Inside the Hall, was there there are two things that typically the committee will ding you for. One is having a bad non-conference strength of schedule. I use is terrible. Um, and that is unlikely to change. Uh, it might get a little bit better, but it's not going to get dramatically better. So for instance, like Marshall is 0 and 10, I believe in Conference USA. Oh, that thanks. is not helping. Um, but they, uh, you know, so anyway, so that's not going to change. That's still going to be there. Uh, the road wins is something they can improve on. And, and so, you know, they pick up a second one. I think it, n- nobody is asking you to be um, you know, over 500 on the road in order to to not get left out or dinged or whatever. But you got to at least show that you've shown some ability to win away from home. So the Notre Dame win on a neutral floor continues to look better um, as they look good in a not very good ACC. Uh, and then you've got, you know, a couple, you know, a couple road wins now. So if you can get a couple more of those, then I think you're able to to take that. Uh, you know, that, that blemish off the table. And so that's where I think it becomes important. I think coming into the weekend um, they were just looking at the bracket matrix. Now they're kind of in the middle of the eight line. I think they're in the conversation for a seven at this point, it obviously depends on what other teams around them do where it's not just a, Oh, Hey, they won. So they move up X amount of spots. Um, unfortunately, it's not quite that, that simple. Um, but I think they're, they're moving in a positive direction if you think ahead to the next game with, you know, we'll play Illinois at home. That's another quad one opportunity at home that you could get. Uh, so you hope that they can do well there. And, and hopefully that gives them some momentum into some other uh, road wins as you, as you go through the rest of the season. I think if you look at the schedule um, you can, you not have to squint too hard and find games that I, you could still win on the road. Uh, you go to Northwestern again, none of these places to, to your, your point of how little confidence everyone has. Um, even the easiest of places are not ones that iu has had a ton of success at but you could look at northwest you know road game at northwestern feels winnable road game at minnesota they're really struggling feels winnable you know your other road games are michigan state ohio state purdue so those are all pretty tall tasks in their own right um but uh you know could you could you go into you know two of those teams you've already beaten so at least there's a chance there so i think if you can get up to you know, even if they get those other two road wins, I think that's um, really helpful to get you know four road wins on the season and and be there. So I think that uh, definitely helps. Every road win helps no matter how uh, the competition is. And now you just root for Maryland to play a little bit better so it looks uh, a bit better as the season goes along.
0: And here's the other thing about this Illinois game coming up You know that I mentioned. There's a lot at stake in these two games. Not only do you announce yourself as, hey, we're going to be around for the Big Ten race. You probably punch your, you know, you 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 come damn near close to punching your NCAA tournament ticket if you beat Illinois and you're eight and four in conference play, barring some just massive collapse down the stretch. Um, and here's an interesting scheduling note, Andy. Indiana is now off until the Illinois game. Illinois game. Illinois has two games in between right now and then. They play uh, Northwestern today, then they play Wisconsin at home. Uh, on Wednesday, and we're waiting to see what the status of Kofi Coburn is, who's been dealing with the concussion issue. So there's a lot of basketball for Illinois between now and that Indiana game. Uh, I think
1: that he is playing today. Um, is he? I know Brett, I know Brett in the chat said uh, that uh, Illinois Northwestern game appears to be riveting, tied at 29 with 15 minutes left in the game. So, um, oh, well. but I think I saw, I think I saw that Kofi is, yeah, he's back today. So that question is put to bed but yeah it definitely helps to have them in that situation it feels like i use had some of these quick turnarounds where they play and, and other teams have had some time off so i think particularly with the amounts of minutes that the guys have been playing in general uh to have um you know a week off uh essentially or not not essentially a whole week off is going to be uh going to be good for this team and hopefully they
2: come out sharp as a result mm-hmm. hey, can i ask andy a question jared absolutely the floor is yours uh, coach well a bit about because i'm not a bracketologist I, I have ultimate respect in the world for you guys who do that and can crunch those numbers well it's you- a children's
1: show jeff so it's not really anything <laughs> you need to have respect for us for but that's wow. that's neither here nor there
2: i, I do so it's a children's uh, show it's not yeah whatever you watch anyway. sesame street but with nebraska basically being done we've played them twice would there be any bad losses i mean per se left on the big 10 schedule i mean i know isn't that something kind of they take into effect a a bad loss like to a tier three or tier four team?
1: yeah i think and i don't have the i probably could look at the try to look at the net rankings here i mean even if i look at ken palm as a proxy um the two of the lowest, it's usually lowly ranked teams at home are probably your best chances to get quote-unquote bad losses, and that would really be Maryland and, and Rutgers based on what it looks like right now. Uh, based on that, even at Northwestern, I don't think at this point would be a bad loss. to be one you'd like to get. And then, you know, otherwise you've got Illinois, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Ohio State, uh, and Purdue. So, um, you know, most of those I think you can uh, feel, you know, Minnesota maybe is drifting that way, but I don't think they're going to be bad enough where that'd be a quad three. So I think probably those home games against Maryland and Rutgers are potentially the ones that fall into that category. But yeah, you don't have... And that's kind of the Big Ten in general this year. Everybody's played well enough, even the teams that were projected to be down close to Nebraska, where they're not just a total mess. Um, and and a number of those teams are are in there as well. So kind of done with Penn State, uh, who's probably not even quite that low on the, on the pecking order either.
0: Kind of crazy. Since that Penn State loss, Indiana, we've won six out of eight, four out of five. Four of those six victories are by 13 or more points. I mean, we're... Like, we're kind of slowly doing things that we haven't done in a while, you know? And I don't know. I'm kind of happy Woody, you know, almost like prematurely put the bench guys in. It was almost like him saying, yo, guys, we got this. Everything's good. Woody is not uh, wounded like the rest of us from the last four or five seasons. So
2: I I think that's huge, Jared. I I was thinking that same thing here as I was listening to you guys, that Mike Woodson has no connection to the last four or five years of what's going on and losing to certain teams or losing on the road. So I think he brings a mentality to the that's really refreshing for the kids. And also he remembers going into play. He knows they're tough. I'm not trying to say that, but he knows that they can win on the road if they play to a way that he wants them to play.
0: Yep. Okay, uh, let's go to last call here. Remember to check out our friends at Homefield Apparel. Use the promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, at checkout to get 15% off your first order. Uh, Andy, let's go to you. Last call.
1: Uh, I did double check. I was right about that based on the net today. The two quad three games left on IU schedule are home to Maryland and home to Rutgers at this point. So uh, those are the ones to, to try to avoid. we are going to break that stupid Rutgers streak. Too. If you're looking at it that way. Yeah, We're just exactly. breaking
0: streaks this year.
1: Let's hope so. Let's hope Should've so. have um,
0: beat Wisconsin. Too, <laughs> damn it.
1: <laughs> well, I think this was, uh, you know, sit, sitting aside tournament resume and stuff like that. I think it was good to be able to build on the Penn state win and the, and the strong performance there in, um, the other thing that I really liked about this team was that, uh, I did not enjoy the slow start. I enjoyed the response to the slow start. However, uh, today where they really pretty quickly picked themselves up, got back in the game, ratcheted things up on the defensive end, And really, from the end of that first half, that run that gave him the seven-point lead never really let Maryland get close. Uh, And I think that is a sign of growth. And, you know, we can uh, come up with whatever colorful adjectives we want for how what Maryland did offensively. But I still think that IU played a role in that. And to be able to go pick up a road win um in the league and get to seven and four is is a really good start to the back half of the Big Ten schedule. There are a lot of, as we talked about, there are a lot of tough road games coming up. So if you were gonna be able to to get one, this is one that you'd kind of circle and say, this is one that I think we can really get uh based on how I use played so far. So um good to be able to come out, take advantage of that opportunity. Now they get the week off and another big home game uh that everybody's gonna be really excited for with Illinois. And so a chance to really get some momentum. Uh, as you go and, and, and go that way, it, this team is still, uh, for as much as we said, you know, Mike Woodson isn't tied to that. Um, I think as fans, we still are. So, uh, while within game and from game to game, uh, we're probably a little bit unsure of how, how good could we really, should we really start to feel about the direction that things are going in? But I thought today was a, a really good step in that direction, the solid performance where you got contributions from a lot of different guys, your, your three, uh, your three stars, if you will. Uh, laid the foundation of what you needed to do and each perform well in their own right. But you got some key contributions from other guys as well. And I think that's starting to become a theme where you're seeing maybe not the same guys every time, but other people stepping up around those three. Uh, and so if they can continue that, uh, I think some really good things to be there. Another great game from X as he uh, you know, really solidifies himself as, as one of the better true point guards in the conference at this point.
0: Absolutely. Coach Marlowe, last call.
2: Well, first of all, I think Saturday is a, a huge game. And just from the standpoint of keeping momentum going, but I expect an assembly hall crowd that's going to be rocking again. It may not be Purdue, but Illinois is one of those teams that is a rival where it like, maybe not jumps to the top of the people's head, but I believe them to be right there in that top tier of the, of the rivals for IU basketball. Um, and so I expect that to be a huge game, a huge crowd. AC assembly calls is going to be in town. So right. you know, that, that should be enough, but um but I would be interested to see this also because there's a some people are saying in the chat that Corbello wasn't playing today. And so it be interesting to see if he's healthy um to play against us. If not, that that obviously that brings that point guard situation into a little better. I believe X can play with Curbelo, but I just think anytime that you can get you know a, a little help with somebody not being available is always going to be helpful against a really good team by like Illinois. Um, and I want to just say that I'm just enjoying watching the kids play. It, it's I know they've lost some games that frustrated us, but right now here we are at sixteen and five, seven and four in the league, and and it's been as much fun watching them play and and compete. Uh, on, on the defensive end. And then now Brett says Kerbell is playing. So I was I, I must have seen that wrong. But anyway, um, to see them compete, that to me is the big thing that I'm taking away right now is I feel like at least game in and game out, we're competing with maybe the Michigan game being the lone exception.
0: Yeah, no, this team is fun to watch. And, you know, this team right now, you know, Coach Woodson was brought in to do a lot of things. But the number one thing that he was brought in to do is basically clean up the mess of the last four years and bring stability to the program and just get the program back to a baseline of respectability, which is, you know what, you're at a minimum in the top half of the Big Ten Conference. Most years you're in the conversation for the the title and you're making NCAA tournaments. And right now we're on track for all of those things. So despite some of the struggles, you know, some of the bad losses that we look back on and some of these questions about the starting lineup and the, the rotations late in games and all of that stuff, and it's not that those questions weren't fair questions, but there's just been a tone that Coach Woodson set from the day that he was hired that gave you some faith that the man in charge really had a handle on what was going on. Right. And, you know, look, we're what 21 games into the the Mike Woodson era. We're still learning about him. It's a fan base that hasn't been able to trust its coach, frankly, in a long time. And so we trust Mike Woodson as a Hoosier and for all the things that he's done. But now he's kind of in that We're it's this new context where we're fans and he's the coach. Learn if we can trust him. And I'm telling you, I, to me, the lesson of January is a, I think we can start to trust this coach. You know, he may do some things that don't quite make sense because he may be coaching a little bit in an NBA way in college games, and sometimes that has worked out better than others, but his patience and his, you know, willingness to just, you know, to kind of be calm and trust his guys, it's working out more than it's not. And that is a big part of the reason why this team, with a lot of the same players, is performing better than what we've seen you know especially the core with the one big massive difference being Xavier Johnson who is you know exactly what this program has been missing for the last 4 or 5 years even Xavier Johnson at his worst this season has been a better point guard than what Indiana has had in the past but now that we're seeing Xavier Johnson kind of fully realize what he can be as a point guard in terms of decision making and being able to balance playing aggressively without, you know, making the bad mistakes. It's having a huge impact on this team. And a big part of that is because, you know, he's received some great coaching. Uh, His coach has had patience with him to play through some mistakes, but has also known when to sit his butt on the bench to, to make a point. And that's all, you know, kind of coming to fruition now. So really, yeah, go ahead, coach.
2: I was just going to say, I was th- it kind of thought popped in my head when you were talking there, Jared, how much of what Mike Woodson learned when he had the Hawks 15 years or so ago, and they were like the youngest team in the NBA. I mean, you can't mm-hmm. expect, you know, you're not going to the playoff. You know, you're not going to win probably 30 games that first year. Or maybe I, to, the, the patience that he's showing with kids, I think is one of the things that may not have been a Bob, a great Bob Knight trait, but you talk to those kids that played for Bob Knight; they all, the ones who, who stuck around for four years, all felt like Bob Knight was in their corner. It, they may have not liked every single day, but I think that's what you get from Mike Woodson. And I just wonder how much of that experience with the Hawks, when he was, you know, where they were, the, the average age was like twenty-three, I think, when he had them that first year. Yeah, I just really think it's playing well with a bunch of college-age kids.
0: I'm sure. It, I'm sure it makes a big difference. I mean, all you know, all of his experience, and again, it's you know. It's 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 patience that's delivered with tough love. Like it's not like I I think because this is the difference. You know, I think the, the struggles Indiana fans had with Archie is it's like, okay, you know, he was patient in the sense that he kept playing guys. But it's like, is there any accountability for mistakes or when things go wrong? And like you see it, you saw it with Jordan Geronimo last game in a game that Indiana had well in hand. You know, he, you know, didn't understand the scouting report and helped off a three point shooter and he got chewed out. Coming over to the bench, Trey Galloway today in the midst of a game that Indiana is playing very well. You know he came in. I don't even remember what he did. It was something along the sidelines. And, uh, oh, it was uh, trying to inbound the ball, and he didn't know what. You know he didn't get it in. He called the timeout, and Mike Woodson chews him out. Right. You know, and we've seen you know guys have to sit on the bench for a little while and come back in. So there's accountability, but he's patient with guys in terms of keeping them in their roles, letting them play through it from game to game. And, you know, when he sees that a guy has a skill like race Thompson as a shooter, he's going to let him keep doing it. And right now that's coming through and race isn't going to make two threes every single game. But, you know, everybody was saying race needs to stop shooting and the numbers all backed it up. And race shooting has been a big part of the reason why Indiana has played well these last couple of games. Those have been really important shots at a big moment. So all I'm saying is you know, I think it, you know, we're going to come on these shows and we text each other and we're on Twitter. And to a certain extent, you know, we're here as a community kind of around this topic that we like, and we all want to talk about it. And so we have to fill airtime. And so we're going to ask these questions and talk about it and toss out ideas. But in the macro sense, and this has kind of been the point that I've tried to make with Ryan, and we've had these discussions, is I think there's enough reason there to kind of trust what Woody's doing and let it play out. And let's see. You know, and let's quibble about the things and let's point them out. But, you know, I don't think that these things yet are pointing to some deeper issue that's going to sabotage the program long term. You know, I think Woody knows what he's doing. um, And I think the way that this team has improved through January and those numbers that I just talked about. When's the last time Indiana won six out of eight in Big Ten play or four out of five or was seven and four or won four out of six games by 13 or more points? You know, like this program is improving. And, you know, we weren't, I don't think we were ever going to take some quantum leap up to, you know, winning the Big Ten or being a top 10 team this season. We wanted to see growth and stability. And my goodness, we're seeing that. And it's exciting and it's fun to watch. And it's really setting the stage for a fun February where maybe, possibly, I don't want to jump too far ahead, you know, because who knows what can happen over the next two games. But maybe, possibly, instead of just entering February hoping to survive, we're actually going into February saying, This team can do some things, you know, and that's the kind of position that we want to be in. It's much more fun as a fan. Woody's bringing that back. And this team has just been really, really entertaining uh, to watch. And they're making Indiana fans confident. And that's something that we haven't been in a while. And it's a, a nice feeling to have. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to go to join.assemblycall.com to join our free email newsletter. Special thank you to Bob Thompson for the music that you hear on the show. And special thanks to John Ringer of Rig Design for designing our logo. And thank you, as always, for listening. We'll be back Thursday night for Assembly Call Radio. Until then.
2: Take it from me, Yogi Ferro. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers! All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. This is a great day for Mike Woodson <laughs> and his family. Yes, it is. Um, last
0: those- thing I want to say for those still listening: we are going to be up uh, in Bloomington next week. Uh, I get in Friday. We're gonna we have our you know kind of team dinner Friday night. Then we'll be out and about. Uh, Friday night after that. And then Saturday, we'll be at the game. And I want to get a big picture with all the assembly call folks. So we're going to meet, you know, the big IU that's made out of the old McCracken Court wood. Uh, We'll meet there probably at halftime and try to get a big group photo. I'll put some information on Twitter and in the community, but everybody who's there, like the whole reason we're going up is try and meet as many of you um, as possible, and to see us kick Illinois' ass, but to see as many of you as possible. Uh, so there, and then we're going to be at Switchyard afterwards. So at any of those touch points, if you're around, um, you know, let me know on Twitter or in the community or whatever, because really want to be able to, to say hi, meet you, um, and just have a great, great weekend. Um, can't wait to get up there. So that that is coming next week. Now, as far as the Switchyard event goes, we are basically like at the capacity RSVP-wise, like the RSVP spots filled in pretty quickly. Um, if you don't have one of those, I would still say come because there is... Kind of like extra room at the bar and stuff. And they're going to do whatever they can to accommodate as many people as possible. Plus, people may come and go. So don't be deterred. Um, You know, still come. And, you know, if you're having trouble getting in or whatever, let me know and we'll do whatever we can um, to get you in because that's why we're up there. So, anyway, let me know if you have any questions about that. But that is happening next weekend. Cannot wait.
2: Coach, what and were you going to say? I was just going to remind, if anybody's still listening, the, Kathy Amos and I will have the Doing the Work postgame show Monday night, assuming the IU women finally get back on the court. Tough game at Michigan that may go a long way determining who wins the Big Ten title. So that postgame show, roughly 8 o'clock Central Time.
0: That's, gosh, when was the last game? Have they played since the Purdue game?
2: Yeah, Purdue, no. Purdue was the last game. They have not played. Wow.
0: Gee whiz. All right. Well, hopefully they I'm get back try. on the court soon.
2: I'm gonna try and get a hold of Grace this week and see if I can set something up for another episode of the Grace Burger Show. Um, sometime this week, maybe when we can work around their schedule. I haven't seen too many things about, I know they play again Thursday, so I don't know what her schedule is going to be like, but, but yeah, we're, we're looking forward to the meetup and, and we're going to be at the, at the switch yard. We're not going to try and make the game, but right now we're also watching some weather. They're talking about some, I don't know whether it's all of Indiana or just Northwest Indiana. Chicago says we're maybe looking at a storm system coming in Wednesday, Thursday. So, Oh, well, (laughs) good. We'll see what happens.
0: This is what I get for always talking about how I miss snow. (laughs) The <laughs> weather gods are going to be like, okay, really? Well, when you
2: come back up here, we'll give you some snow. My, God, um, my, oldest, my oldest is in New York, and right now they've gotten about a foot. So, oh, boy. The last couple of days. So. Oh,
0: boy. we'll stay warm, everybody. Uh, great wind today for Indiana. The wind's always, they just taste a little better when it's a road yeah. wind. So thanks for being here, everybody. Coach, thanks for being here. And uh, we will talk to you guys. With well, those of you in the community, we'll talk to you all in the community. Uh, otherwise, we'll talk to you Thursday night on AC Radio. See you all.